0: Good morning, Birdland. I'm Mark Brown. I've been covering the Orioles for more than a decade on camdenchat.com and hosting this podcast for 91 episodes and counting. It is now January the 22nd, 2024. Opening day is 66 days away. The start of spring training is a mere 23 days from today. And I don't know about you, but after enduring cold and snow in Maryland over the last week, I am more than ready for baseball season and nicer weather. In today's episode, instead of thinking more about pitchers the Orioles could or should trade for, I'm going to look mostly at the state of the Orioles' starting rotation, assuming that nothing else is done, so we can decide whether that is or is not good enough. In a previous era of my life, when I was studying government and public policy at the University of Baltimore, I had one memorable professor who always preached the importance of doing a no-action analysis. That is, when considering a change to a policy, it is crucial to understand what is going to happen if you do nothing. Sometimes, a benefit relative to the status quo is not worth the cost. Other times, the no-action analysis reveals the urgency of doing something to address an underappreciated looming crisis. And so, you know, this is a topic that is fresh on my mind. After, over the last few days, I saw uh, an article on Fangraphs that was headlined, Come on, Orioles, do something, in which the Orioles were criticized for not acting to fortify the starting rotation without actually doing the work to show that there is a need for the Orioles to fortify their starting rotation. If you experience sports like me, your favorite team is yours to pick on, much like a family member might be mocked by someone within the family. But as soon as someone outside makes the same joke, it's like, go take a long walk off a short pier, you know? So... With that in mind, um, I want to get into more detail and thinking for myself, where does the Orioles' rotation stand? We can all take a pretty good guess, I think, that Kyle Bradish, Grayson Rodriguez, John Means, and Dean Kramer are, barring injury between now and the start of the season, locked in for starting rotation spots. Who might seize this fifth spot really depends on uh, who the Orioles decide is better off in the bullpen out of, like, Tyler Wells, D.L. Hall, and Cole Irvin, or maybe even a deeper option uh, beyond those guys. For the purpose of this episode of this podcast, I'm going to go with Tyler Wells as the assumed number five starter right now, which is mostly based on the first three months of last season when Wells maintained a pretty darn good ERA and whip uh, before falling apart in the second half. So before we move on, I just want to note I'm going to be referencing projections that come from a system called Zips, which is housed at Fangraphs. I like Zips because its projections for each season are publicly and freely available at that website. Also because its creator, Dan Zimborski, is uh, more transparent about what he does with his system than I think other projection runners are. And also because Zimborski grew up in the Baltimore area, So he has the right opinions about pit beef sandwiches and crabs. Also, he was nice enough to come on a previous episode of the previous incarnation of this podcast uh, over 10 years ago now. But anyway, if you want to see the 2024 numbers for yourself that I'm going to be referencing in this episode, go to your search engine of choice. You can search Orioles Zips, that is Z-I-P-S, Orioles Zips 2024. One more note On Zips, before I get into its numbers, its outputs I'm going to be talking about will be the 50th percentile outcomes across thousands of simulations that use the historical data for similar players from year to year at each point in their careers. Okay, so uh, enough of that. Let's get on with thinking about the Orioles' rotation. So at the top, pretty obviously, I think, Kyle Bradish fresh off of finishing fourth in the AL Cy Young voting for 2023, and he even had a better season than the guy who finished third. So for Bradish, the 50th percentile outcome is a 3.71 ERA, with Bradish making 29 starts, leading to a war of 2.8, which, obviously, that is a fine pitcher to have in a big league starting rotation. Even in a contender starting rotation, it would be... Uh, a, a real step back for Bradish in 2024 with a gain of more than a run of uh, ERA relative to what Bradish had in 2023. So that's that's not as fun if you're you know your ace's ERA goes up by nearly a run. That, that's a bruiser. Um, Bradish has beaten the zips projection before. Last year, his 50th percentile projection was a 4.69 ERA. For Braddish, there was nothing in terms of the projection to uh, distinguish him from any other guy the Orioles might throw into the rotation, like Bruce Zimmerman, Keegan Aiken, whatever. Uh, they just didn't see that kind of success for Braddish. The system did not. Even the 80th percentile projection for Bradish was a 4.04 ERA. And, of course, he ended up finishing with a 2.83 ERA. So Zips did notice the improvement as this year, Bradish's 80th percentile outcome is a 3.16 ERA and a 3.9 war. So, right off the bat, considering the Orioles' rotation, we're all going to be hoping that Bradish can beat the historical comparisons for players like him and be more looking like a top of the rotation starter than a middle of the rotation starter, as, uh, as this projection kind of thinks. Now, I think that the track record of results starting in the second half of the 2022 season for Bradish gives a good reason to believe he can exceed a 3.71 ERA this year. But what I think does not go into Zips or any other projection system, and I think it is always good to keep in mind even things that disagree with what you believe, because often um, when it comes to thinking about the quality of the Orioles in particular, it's very easy to engage in motivated reasoning which is to say we all want the orioles to be good therefore we start to think about things that uh in a way that we want the orioles to be good and reality is not always so kind anyway number two in the rotation grayson rodriguez as we know for him it was a tale of two seasons last year the first half and the second half he ended up the 2023 season with a 4.35 ERA, and that was because he closed out with a 2.58 ERA over the second half. Projection systems, however, don't really care about that split because guys can have a good three months for any number of reasons. Most of the time, it does not signify something new about them relative to their previous results. So Rodriguez ends up with a mean projection of a 4.07 ERA a war of 2.0 in the 2024 zips. Again, that's a number Orioles fans are going to be hoping that Rodriguez can exceed at the 80th percentile. Rodriguez comes in with a 3.49 ERA 3.1 war, which honestly, relative to probably your expectations for Rodriguez before he ever debuted in the big leagues, even that would probably feel a little bit disappointing. Um, Zips actually had an even lower ERA projection for Rodriguez last year. So when it was looking at his potential to perform in the big leagues, looking at just his minor league performance, uh, it ended up seeing a 3.98 ERA as the mean projection. So again, okay. A little bit disappointing if Rodriguez ends up at like a 4 ERA, but it's not a terrible um, one-two punch in a starting rotation, but it's not a 101-win team or repeat as a 101-win team 1-2 punch in the rotation if these two guys hit uh, hit the 50th percentile projection from Zips. Number three, for me at least, I think should be John Means, and he's only not higher up because as fun as it is that Means threw the no-hitter in 2021 and as fun as it is that he had quality seasons in 2019 as well as 2021 The fact is about means he's on the wrong side of age 30 now, and he's only thrown 31 and two thirds big league innings in the last two seasons due to the Tommy John surgery that he needed early in the uh, 2022 campaign. And then the back strain that he suffered in the later stages of his Tommy John rehab last season that ended up keeping him out until September. So with all of that in mind, Zips sees only a bit more than a half-season worth of starts from Means, and it sees a 4.24 ERA from him. Even his 80th percentile outcome is a decidedly not ace-like 3.78 ERA, so I think banking on Means for 32 starts is almost certainly asking too much. And again, just because we all want it to be true that Means will be less homer-prone getting to pitch his home games now in front of Baltimore, that doesn't make it so. Means has generally exceeded his uh, having he's had his ERA exceed his fielding independent pitching FIP, which, again, is a stat that tries to look at only what a pitcher is able to control, largely walks and strikeouts. And uh, he he's gen, he's he's outperformed that. So hopefully he can continue to do that, because I think the Zips 4.24 ERA projection is making an assumption that Means will not be able to continue to exceed his FIP by so much. Generally, pitchers don't, but there are certain pitchers who are able to continue to do that even over full careers. So we're all crossing our fingers Means can A, stay healthy, and B, continue to uh, pitch better than his FIP. Okay, I will be right back after a message from a Fans First Sports Network sponsor, and then we can talk about the back of the rotation And start to think about whether all of this means the Orioles are in need of doing something to improve the rotation. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. Actually, if it was up to the Zips projection, Dean Kramer would probably be more like the number two Orioles starting pitcher instead of the number four starter. The system was a big believer in Kramer going into 2023 after his results from the 2022 season. It had a 3.51 ERA as the mean projection for Kramer's 2023. It's still a fan for 2024, if a bit less of one, projecting a 3.86 ERA. ERA for Kramer. And remember, in the 2023 season, in actuality, Kramer had a 4.12 ERA, which was worked out to exactly league average when adjusting for uh, park and league, as in the ERA plus stat, exactly 100, exactly league average for Kramer. I think if the Orioles get the 2.6 war that Zip sees from Kramer this year, then the starting rotation is going to be doing okay. Uh, But getting some improvement from Kramer relative to last year in zips is based on his home run rate going down to uh, a 1.0 home runs per nine innings instead of the 1.4 it was last year. I don't feel as great about that. I think Kramer is probably going to end up being more like he was last year, basically, uh, where it will be fortunate if he is a perfectly league average 4.12 ERA. And again, there's no problem if this guy is in a good team's rotation. Every team, every playoff team, every whatever team can use a pitcher who is exactly league average overall for the season, but you don't necessarily want him starting one of your playoff games. And, you know, we saw Kramer as the game three starter and he got absolutely bombed, which that sample size of one shouldn't totally poison our thinking about Kramer forever, but. I do think that it was not exactly hindsight to think it would be better off if the Orioles rotation did not need Kramer or Kyle Gibson now gone as a free agent uh, to pitch in a best of five series. That's not how it worked out. And well, it didn't work out well for the Orioles. So there's also the question of the number five starter. Again, as I said before, I'm going with Tyler Wells. That's based on the three good months that he had last year. Uh, If he had been able to continue at something close to his first half ERA of 3.18, that would have been wonderful. It would have had him in contention for the Cy Young at the end of the season. It would have had him looking like an obvious uh, Game 1 or Game 2 starter in the postseason. But that's not how it worked out, because Wells ended up throwing 104 and two-thirds innings in the first half, which just eclipsed his previous career high of 103 and two-thirds innings from 2022. And it seemed to me, and I guess also to the Orioles, because they banished him from the rotation after three bad starts after the All-Star break and never tried to plug Wells back in, that it seemed to me that Wells just got tired. So, like, just on a basic level, can you count on him for a full season of starts? Well, Zips does not, projecting 20 starts from Wells. And it also does not think that he will continue to greatly exceed his FIP number with a 4.20 ERA uh, mean projection. Wells kind of famously had an ERA that was minus 1.34 from his FIP in 2023. He had a 4.98 FIP, which is generally awful. Like, that's in the realm of... uh, Just really bad pitchers, Um, guys that you don't want to see in your starting rotation. Like Jack Flaherty, who no one liked uh, as an Oriole because he had one good start and that was it. He had a FIP of 4.84 along the way to a 6.75 ERA. So Flaherty deserved a little bit better than what he had as an Oriole. And in fact, according to FIP, deserved slightly better than Tyler Wells. But Wells had a 3.64 ERA over the full season, 3. Uh, 25 games, 20 starts. Flaherty, we know what he had uh, with the Orioles. So, okay. Wells ultimately shouldn't be counted on, I think, for a full season of starts. Um, I think that's why Wells's 80th percentile outcome is an ERA of, quote-unquote, only 3.70. But in either case, Zips projects 1.3 war, wins above replacement, from Wells. If you'd like to envision a lefty instead in the number five spot, Cole Irvin gets a 4.50 ERA projection from Zips with a 1.0 WAR uh, projection there. And D.L. Hall, who maybe you could also want to throw into the Orioles rotation as the number five starter, comes in with a 1.1 WAR projection based on uh, Hall having an ERA of 4.01. Now, that's also assuming that Hall is not a starter for the full season because he's in the bullpen half the time, so it might be a little bit worse if he was uh, making all of the starts. I don't know. But either way, uh, all of this is a long way to say that really the no-action analysis on the 2024 Orioles rotation gets you a number 5 starter with a projected war, mean projection, of somewhere between... 1, and 1.3. And I will say it again, that is not a terrible starting rotation if your number five starter has a war of at least one. Now, this is assuming the health of everyone involved, which probably should not be done. The Orioles were actually very lucky with rotation help in, health in 2023 because the only injury to one of their opening day starters that required an injury list stay was Braddish taking the liner off of his foot in his first start. So I think maybe the greatest argument for an addition is the way that it fortifies the depth in a way that the Orioles might not have if someone has some kind of spring training injury that knocks one of these guys uh, out of the early months of the season. I think also it's just not the best rotation that the Orioles could possibly have based if, if they were to instead sign someone that they're not going to sign or trade for someone that's much more realistic for them to trade for. Um, The reason why it is good going to be good for the Orioles to improve their fifth starter spot though, or really improve the number two or number three spot and bump everyone else down the line by one such that the number five starter ends up being Kramer instead of Wells or Irvin or Hall or whatever it, because now that the Orioles are competitive there is value in a marginal win, which is to say if the Orioles are currently an 88-win team, and you might think they're better, but the uh, the over-unders they're coming in at for win total looks like it's thinking they're about an 87-88-win team in the the gambling world. Um, It's worth a lot to improve by one win to get to 89 wins, and it's worth even more if you can improve by two wins to get to 90. And even if you think the Orioles are a 94-win team, It's also worth improving by one or two wins because the more wins that you get once you're good, you've increased your chance for the Orioles to repeat the division title if enough things go right for them. You improve your chance at hosting wildcard games if luck is more average rather than, I think, as good as it was in 2023. And you have better odds of just making it into the playoffs at all if some things go wrong. So, like, if the Orioles can acquire a three-win pitcher... And this replaces Wells or Irvin in the rotation mix. That's a really big thing for a team in the position that the Orioles are in right now. So now that we've done that, the no-action analysis, if we want to be fancy about it, let's look at a few of the starting pitchers who've been thrown about as uh, trade targets or hopefuls or whatever by either fans or media uh, for the Orioles. So Milwaukee's Corbin Burns a 3.32 ERA mean projection and 3.9 WAR from the ZIPS system. The White Sox are one team that doesn't have a full ZIPS projection on Fangraphs yet, but Dan Zimborski posted a depth chart to Twitter that has a 3.2 WAR projection for Dylan Cease. Miami's Jesus Lazardo has a more average projection than these other guys coming in at a 3.88 ERA and a 2.6 WAR. And if you're out there trying to dream of scenarios where Seattle is trying to trade, let's say Logan Gilbert, he's got a 3.50 ERA and 3.6 WAR projection for 2024. When it comes to trades and specifically what kind of cost it will have in terms of prospects for the Orioles, it is important to keep in mind not just how good the pitcher is expected to be for this year, but how many years of team control remain for them. Burns has just the one year left before he becomes a free agent. Dylan Cease has two. Jesus Luzardo has three. And Logan Gilbert has uh, four years of team control remaining. He has qualified as a Super 2 arbitration guy, like we talked about in uh, a previous episode. So he's going to get four years of arbitration salaries, probably going to cost a lot in that fourth year. But still, if a team acquired him before 2024, they have got him through the 2027 season, if they want. So those varying numbers are going to affect the prospect cost to acquire each one of those guys. I think with everything that we have talked about, about if nothing is done, I, I, the Orioles are not in a position right now where they need to be desperate, such that they need to trade someone who should be untouchable based on the expected talent level and team control remaining for a given pitcher. I think the rotation is... Could turn out okay. Even the depth options could be functional. I think that particularly uh, the Orioles might end up where they can let it ride until the July trade deadline, and uh, their 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 offense and their bullpen should be good enough to at least keep them in the race. And then if there is a need in the rotation, uh, they can try and address that in July. I don't know. I don't know what Mike Elias is thinking, right? I don't know. Is he hugging his prospects too close? Or maybe he's just not being offered good deals. Like, it's not something that fans can possibly know. Uh, As much as there are occasional hypothetical trade proposals thrown out in like articles from the baseball media, even mainstream sources like those guys, they don't have any idea really what it's going to take for players, uh, to be traded away from those teams. So whatever's going to happen, I I don't know, but anyway, not that the Orioles are going to do any signing of a substantial free agent, but just for giggles, let's look at zips projections for Blake Snell and Jordan Montgomery and note that the projected ERAs for zips assume the previous team's home park. That's just how Dan Zimborski does it. So these guys are going to look slightly different shifting to Oriole park at Camden Yards, Snell comes in with a 3.37 ERA projection, 3.2 WAR. Montgomery gets a 3.84 ERA projection, 3.0 WAR. Each of these guys is heading into his age 31 season, so a small decline per year would be expected from there. So that would be important to keep in mind, considering that they're generally thought like they're looking for or will get five or more year contracts uh, they're going to be in their late 30s or maybe mid 30s by the end of that. But there's value to the Orioles in adding two to three wins to the rotation for the next three years or so, I think, uh, as a free agent. There, there's value if the Orioles believe these guys can come in and be that until, let's say, at least 2026. But John Angelos is not going to be moved by that value when its cost is purely dollars, so that is that. So do the Orioles have room to improve their rotation? Almost certainly, yes. Is there a substantial value potential for the team to make that improvement again? It seems quite likely that is a yes. Does that mean they need to do something, even if it's a bad deal for them, just to make baseball writers who want there to be offseason action happy? Of course not. Now, being in charge of Camden Chat and Orioles' website, I do understand the impulse to want off-season excitement. It's not fun to have part of your job being to write something when there is nothing to say, but this kind of incentive is not the Orioles' problem. It's not Mike Elias' problem. They don't have to do anything, so they shouldn't do something unless they really believe it will make the team better. Now, being the kind of fan I am, I'm going to be nervous uh, about the Orioles doing nothing because... I am not uh, optimistic about the Orioles by my nature, as you've probably noticed, If assuming this is not your first episode tuning in. So I hope the Orioles can find a fair deer, a deal out there before spring training opens up so that uh, they can improve their rotation, not deplete a, uh, a prospect they're going to need for the future, kind of trade from a surplus. And really, hopefully, I've said this on this show before, if we think about it, uh, as when the Orioles traded away Manny Machado, the headline they got back was a top 100 prospect. It was Yusniel Diaz, whose value in the big leagues turned out to be zero, bumpkits, just uh, just jack squat, right? He was nothing. Now, they did get Kramer ultimately in that trade. So really, that was the Dean Kramer trade rather than the Yusniel Diaz trade. Um, so like the, the hope is going to be that the Orioles trade away the Yusniel Diaz of their system without also trading away the Dean Kramer of their system, I guess. And if they cannot manage that, then let it roll until July and see what happens and cross our fingers and hope that turns out for the best. I'm going to be hoping they can find a good deal uh, because I I don't want to have to hope for the best from the current rotation because I'm not going to feel great about it when uh, opening day rolls around. But as far as what's going to happen... You know, the Orioles, they need to get a fair deal. They don't need to trade someone just to make some writer at Fangraphs or any of the other writers at other media outlets who have said similar things about the Orioles. Or me, who's also said similar things about the Orioles, honestly, happy. But that's all that I've got for today. If you enjoyed this podcast episode, please do make sure to subscribe on your favorite platform. I will be back every Monday for the rest of the off season as soon as possible afterwards, if a big pitching trade or signing ever does happen. Please remember also, you can email camdencastpod at gmail.com if you have any question or comment to be read or answered in a future episode, or even if you just have any feedback about the show. Good Morning Birdland is a Camden Cast production on the Fans First Sports Network. This is Mark Brown signing off.